Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we talk to UNICEF about their crypto fund. I have headlines, and I also read emails from listeners and respond. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. And I have some emails that I wanted to address before we got into the crypto prices and before we get into the interviews and before we get into the headlines. So let's get right into that right now. And I know this isn't Listener Question Fridays, but these questions or these emails are timely. So I think I just want to get to them right now. And Angel wrote, says, hey, man, what's up with Doge? I'm absolutely flabbergasted because of the tokenomics of this project. How the heck is Doge 57 cents? Please make it make sense. To add, I am super butthurt because I was going to invest a significant amount of money until I read up how the coins are minted per minute. So I didn't. Fast forward to the 40 cent run up last month and I am butthurt. I would like to hear your thoughts on this. Angel. And everybody else who's new to crypto, who maybe just started investing in crypto this year or last year. If you're not butthurt and you are in crypto and you stay here for a significant amount of time, you will be butthurt. You have lost your chance to be rich. You have lost your chance to have those crypto gains. You have missed the token that you were going to buy low and you wanted to sell high. If you do not have a story of one of your tokens making you a millionaire, but you sold it too early or you didn't buy it, then you are not in crypto. Everybody has those stories. Everybody has the story of missing out. And that's what makes us hodl. (laughs) And that's what makes us hodl, even though we're in profit and we ride it down to zero because we want to relive the dream. It's kind of like high school football. It's like you're still talking about it when you're 40 years old about your all-star high school football game when you were a sophomore and you ran for that touchdown or something like that because it was the best time of your life and you chased that dream. Listeners, if you are not butthurt investing in the crypto, are you actually investing in the crypto? And the next email and the final email is an email in regards to the Sunday episode where I asked everybody to reply to the Bill Maher rant. And everybody wrote in, they had their opinions, and I put some of them out there. And somebody did not like one of the opinions on the show. And so Fabio wrote me to tell me his opinion about the opinion that I put on the show. He says, Matthew, bro, how could you possibly give a voice as the first comment you read to someone that says things like the fairy tale of climate change, the planet is fine, and imaginary climate needle, etc. Damn, you are a public figure. You have a platform with a lot of people listening to you. You have responsibilities. You can't afford to read some bullshit, totally unscientific opinion of some random climate change denier. Crypto is math, is science. A silly opinion like that doesn't deserve a spot on a crypto podcast, let alone being the first comment you read. Not all opinions are worth listening to if they come from uninformed people and if they go against what all scientists agree. You should endorse science. 
What a shame. A very cool podcast turned into such a joke. Bill Maher's rant was tough to listen to as it was full of misinformation. You managed to match it by reading that comment and adding to the misinformation people are getting every day. Cheers, Fabio. Thank you for that email, Fabio. And just like I put your email on the air, even though it was negative toward me or negative toward the choice that I made, I decided to put it out there. Why? Because it's still part of the conversation. Look, am I a science denier? No. Am I a climate change denier? No. But is this an opinion of somebody that listens to the show and now that you wrote this and we have other people writing in and we have those other comments, we are having, and this person is listening to this, I promise you, we are having the conversation. Now, is this person going to change their mind? I don't know. Are other people going to be inspired to write in and maybe put their voice into this? Maybe. Maybe this whole conversation does in reinforce people who are listening to this podcast and maybe we're on the fence. Maybe that this conversation is something that people wanted to have to just maybe get off the fence about making a change for climate change. They're like, that, uh, that comment was, was totally preposterous. You know what? I heard that on the Decrypt Daily, and I'm, I'm just sick of this. I'm going to try my best to try to, just like you did, to stop people putting that out there. And now we can have that conversation. And now we can start changing opinion. And if you think it's a waste of time to change opinion, then me and you are at odds on opinion. Because I do not think it's a waste of time. I think that it's always worth the conversation and the effort to try your best to talk to people of different opinions. And if I have a show and I'm a public figure and I have a listenership and I only pick and choose the things that I like and agree with to put on this show and the people and the coins, then I am no better than any Bitcoin or cryptocurrency denier. I am not better than anybody who just picks a side, the red or the blue, the left or the right. I am no better than that. I have to strive with this show and with myself to not put myself in a box, not block other people out, but be brave to have these conversations, to try to change opinions, and to put them out there so people like you can write in and say what you feel. That's the platform. That's my opinion. And that's what I'm going to go for. And anybody else listening to this, and if you don't agree with me, or if you do agree with me, please email me. I would love to have that conversation. And now, to those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 11.20 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $53,905, down 6.8%. Wow, in 24 hours. Actually, just turned to 7%. So we're going to go with 7%. Ethereum is at $3,273, up 3% in 24 hours. Binance Coin is at $611.15, down 7.7%. Man, what just happened? I just looked at this, and it was definitely higher than that. Dogecoin is in the number four spot at 51.3 cents, up 28% in 24 and 115% in seven days. While XRP is in the number five spot at $1.35, down 13%. Rounding off the top 10, we have Tether, Cardano, Polkadot, Uniswap, and Litecoin is back in the top 10 at 295.19. Was like 320, but it dropped back down below 300 because something just happened in the market that I have no clue. Total market cap, we're at $2.26 trillion and a BTC dominance of 45.6%. In our main conversation today, I talked to Sunita Groti, the venture lead at UNICEF, and she's going to tell us about Chainlink's donation to their innovation fund and what that all means. Sunita, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. UNICEF and Chainlink yeah, Innovation <laughs> <Yes>. Fund. <laughs> we are very excited uh, to announce the partnership with Chainlink. 
That's amazing. Okay, so before we get into all of that, I want to just do a one-on-one on UNICEF, so make sure everybody understands what your organization does. Sure. So we are the world's largest organization focused on children and specifically helping partners, so that could be governments, um, private sector, young people themselves, um, help realize the rights of children. Uh, We are part of the United Nations and are active in over 190 countries um, and work with children all around the world to make sure that their rights are realized. So that includes making sure that children have access to education, have access to safe water, um, are protected in emergencies uh, during natural disasters or crisis situations. Um, And, you know, UNICEF works from in kind of stable countries that have that are working to build policies and programs to support children in the long term, but also is really active in these kinds of crisis uh, situations to develop to deliver emergency support when children need it the most. And your title is Ventures Lead at UNICEF. What is that? So I am uh, very fortunate to lead a team called UNICEF Ventures, um, which is part of a bigger office of innovation. And the Ventures team in particular looks at exploring the use of new technologies, so frontier technologies, uh, and to see how they could, how it can support UNICEF and our partners to achieve more results and achieve results more quickly for children. So what that specifically means is that our team uh, actually has an innovation fund that uh, we use to support new projects, new solutions, and pilot them, build out the products, and then test how they could bring value to the kind of work that UNICEF does. So could they make sure that more children get access to education? Could they link families into financial systems um, that they haven't had access to in the past? Could they help us get data that's more accurate that we can access more quickly and then know where children might need support um, uh, most urgently, for instance? You said data. That reminds me of Chainlink. How does Chainlink fit into this? So Chainlink um, joined our innovation fund last week uh, as one of the partners to provide us with financial support, but also technical expertise um, to grow our innovation fund. And our innovation fund has the very specific purpose of investing financially and technically into early stage solutions that really use these exciting technology areas and to help us understand and help out and help us build new solutions to support children around the world. Um, very specifically, Chainlink joins us at a really exciting time where we are um, building out and scaling how we make those investments through you know, US dollar, but we also in 2019 joined, uh, launched a crypto fund. So we're now the, the first and so far only UN organization that's able to accept, hold and disperse crypto. And so um, we're actually able to show at a great level of transparency where the funding that we receive to our innovation fund and specifically the funding we receive in crypto, of course, um, where that's allocated, who receives it and how it's used. So you can actually view in real time, and I don't need to tell your audience this, but the benefits of transparency that crypto and, and the blockchain provides us with. And we can track how that funding reaches us, so where it comes from, and also then uh, we provide it to startups that are use it to develop out their products, to test their products, and we can track exactly where that cryptocurrency is used. We've tried to be equally transparent about how we use fiat and how we use the contributions we receive in US dollar. Um, and so, you know, we use our innovation fund to provide this kind of seed funding to startups, but also to give them additional technical support, link them to networks, link them to mentors. And then those that are really promising and successful to help them actually accelerate their solutions in new markets, for instance, um, and test them in different contexts so that they can make you know, their platforms um, reach 
reach more people and more children specifically. That's amazing. Actually, I remember doing a show about this uh, about, I don't know, four or five years ago already and thinking about transparency when it comes to these uh, charity organizations. You said a lot of things about why you are taking and accepting uh, cryptocurrency because of the trans- transparency. Uh, what are you seeing when it comes to maybe the innovation of blockchain and how it can help, you know, uh, some of the markets that you're trying to get into to help uh, children or, you know, set up those infrastructures? Yeah. So blockchain is one of those technology areas that we that we explore and have been exploring for a couple of years on, on the Ventures team and, and through our innovation fund in particular. And we really see you know, our explorations fall into kind of three layers of blockchain technology. And broadly speaking, you know, we look at how blockchain can increase the amount of resources that are available for the kind of work that we're doing, how we can achieve incremental change. So how can we make the systems that we use as this large global organization a bit more efficient and more transparent? And then how can also blockchain kind of really fundamentally disrupt some of the systems that we consider to be quite broken that further are marginalizing and excluding people. So, you know, just to give you an example, um, obviously the crypto fund is one way in which we see that we could increase the amount of resources that are available for the kind of work that we're doing with children and piloting new solutions. We've seen that UNICEF establishing the crypto fund has actually made a whole new set of people who want to engage and who want to support addressing the kind of problems that we are tackling um, in new ways. They're seeing that that kind of transparency makes it really attractive to give additional resources to an organization or to the kind of work that our organization um, is doing through the innovation fund. Um, We're looking at how we can increase um, efficiency and transparency processes. So for instance, you know, we've invested in, in startups that are looking at how we can improve um, how we deliver rice, for instance, and other goods to communities. So how can we ensure that we can track supplies in a more efficient way and actually make that data visible through, through the blockchain? And then finally, you know, this idea of really um, radically changing or testing how we can fundamentally disrupt some systems. We are about to announce and watch the space in the coming weeks, our next cohort of investments in the blockchain space that really focuses on um, seeing how we can engage and include communities that have been traditionally excluded from financial systems and making like financial systems and benefits more accessible to them. You know, UNICEF has a large program, for instance, of providing cash transfers in emergencies. So that's cash assistance directly to children and their families who need that um, to be able to survive. We see the potential of including blockchain-based solutions and making those things more efficient and more transparent and engaging more communities to have access uh, in, in a faster way through blockchain. Wonderful. I have two questions that came out of that, if you don't mind, uh, really briefly. Uh, You keep saying increase the amount of resources. Does resources just mean money or is there more to that? So, you know, money, of financial resources, of course, are a big part of that. Um, But we in each of our partnerships often also look at what how can we leverage the assets and the expertise that any of our partners bring to the table for the work that we do. Um, And so we have different partners that have come on board and Chainlink is one of them that bring particular technical expertise or experience that our investments um, could really benefit from. So what can they learn from the teams that are behind the product development um, and, and other functions that any business has? 
have and how can they benefit from that to accelerate their own products and bring them to market. So we're absolutely um, looking for and always excited to partner with companies and others who, who are willing to share their expertise and networks um, with us as a team, but also very specifically with the startups that are based in developing and emerging markets um, to be able to accelerate their, their solutions. You, you said track and you mentioned tracking, say, rice, for example. And I kind of want to know what the friction point of, of that was. Why do you need to track? Is it because of greed or theft or maybe um, governments that are trying to block things moving around freely? Or what is what is the need to track this? Yeah, so the need to be able to track supplies comes from a variety of different um, points, or let's say the pain points can come from a variety of different sources. So just imagine um, you're looking at a situation where you're providing a large volume of anything, right? It could be rice, it could be goods, but if the, if you think of the most recent or the current situation, think of vaccines, right, or medical supplies. And so mm. just being able to track transparently at which location have supplies reached, where have they gone to, and having that be decentralized and having that be transparent data and information absolutely improves right the transparency of the system the accountability of the system behind that um, and allows us to allows us to you know share that information also publicly so that others can 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 access that you know there, there there's a whole complexity of issues in terms of supplies that unicef deals with as well that go beyond transparency or or, or corruption there's also the need to have real-time information that just allows us to adjust where supplies need to mm -hmm. go to mm -hmm. if you think of vaccines also in terms of you know they need to be held at a certain temperature so if we can track in real time where supplies are we can see whether they're still in the conditions that they need to be in so that they actually have the impact that we're seeking out to be. So the, the the pain points around making sure that goods reach the end user or reach the communities that need them the most are are many fold. And, and we're not claiming that blockchain will solve all of those, but we see the potential of kind of increasing, potentially looking at improving the efficiency um, of that system, the transparency of the information, and also the speed at which that information becomes available and can be tracked from around the world um, through blockchain-based systems. Love it. I, I lied to. I have one last question. How can people listening right now help your, your cause? So we're always looking for, for supporters to the cause. UNICEF um, broadly as a global organization um, is is really has, especially in the US, but everywhere around the world relied very heavily on the support of the public. Um, and so we are very grateful and always looking to build the support we receive from the public to the work that UNICEF does globally, you know, across different issues and across different different challenges that we're tackling on an ongoing basis. So that's, of course, one, one opportunity that, that is always there. We're also very um, open to receiving any support that anyone wants to provide technical or financial to the Innovation Fund specifically. Um, and you know that, as I mentioned before, can cover any, any kind of technical expertise in some of those frontier technology areas, but also business mentors, for instance, that we can link our startups up to. Um, and so we, we would you know, greatly welcome any anyone that would like to engage um, and, and happy to see if those connections um, can be made and how to how to make them in the most valuable way. Sunita Grote, Venture Lead at UNICEF. Thank you very much for coming on the show and congratulations on your innovation fund. Thank you, Matthew, for having us. And moving into today's headlines. The Maker Foundation, this is the organization that's charged with decentralizing the Maker Protocol. Today sent 84,000 MKR tokens worth approximately $480 million to MakerDAO. The protocol's users will now decide what to do with these funds. 
So really quick, what is the DAO part of this maker foundation? The DAO part is a decentralized autonomous organization, and they are a group of online people that vote on how the funds are used, how the development of the Maker Foundation goes. And Maker is the most popular decentralized finance or DeFi product on the Ethereum network. So basically they had about 84,000 MKR tokens, that's $480 million worth, and they said, we, we don't need this anymore. We, we're, we don't need this to develop anymore. You guys figure out what you want to do with it. And so now they have to vote on what they're going to do with basically a half a billion dollars. Some people say they should burn it, basically saying they're going to eliminate the supply, making the value of MKR go up. Other people are saying, now let's just hold on to this because you never know when we're going to need developers, security consultants, legal advisors, marketing, communications, HR, or other people in the future. So hold on to it. Anyway, it's up to them to decide how they're going to use this money or what they're going to do with this money. And we will let you know when we know. Do you want to dabble with Bitcoin futures on the derivatives marketplace of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange? Well, if you do, a futures contract is around five times what Bitcoin is worth. Let's just call that $290,000, which prices me out for damn sure, probably prices you out, and prices most people out. Well, they know that. That's why they created a new product called Micro Futures, which is worth only one-tenth of the price of Bitcoin, and as we heard today, is probably around $5,400. This is a lot more flexible, a lot more cost-effective, and it gives more flexibility to institutional investors and other people to get into Bitcoin's futures on the CME. And even though this is kind of cheaper, it might go up because I said it's one-tenth the price of Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin starts going up to say $200,000 or $300,000, well, that one-tenth the price turns into twenty dollars to $30,000. If that's the case, they will roll out new products to make it more affordable. Maybe a micro micro future worth one one hundredth of a price of Bitcoin? I don't know. But we'll see what happens when the price goes up. But as for now, a new product is available. And finally, the eBay CEO says they're expanding the type of payments that they take. And they also are going to look into NFTs. Surprise, surprise there. But surprising to me, they don't even take Apple Pay or Google Pay as of yet. They're looking into that right now. But they're also looking into taking other cryptocurrencies, which means eBay is now exploring the ability to take cryptocurrencies and other payment methods like Apple Pay, which I don't know why they don't take. Maybe they should get on it. Do people still use eBay? I have never actually used eBay. Anyway, congratulations to eBay for looking at technology that people have been using for years to finally use it. Way to stay ahead of the game, eBay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. Also, you can send me an email at MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. I will take your email, I will read it, and I will reply to it. More than likely in email form, but it might come on the show as well. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.